Blog Talk Radio. Quarters. Security condition three. Thank you. Security three, sir. General quarters three. Intruder alert. GQ three. Intruder alert. How apropos, Mr. Sulu, and indeed it is. Security alert and uh, that pretty much sums up a lot of our topic tonight. Good evening. Welcome once again to Madam Perry's Salon. I am your host and cruise director and then mother of all, Madam Perry, and I'm delighted to have you here, and I want to thank you so much for continuing to give me love and support the show and, and share with your friends and subscribe and download. Uh, you know, you can subscribe on here on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry. I'm even finding some things I didn't even know about, Pod Fanatic and some other things that, where you can also subscribe to Madam Perry Salon, as well as a lot of other podcasts, uh, which is another cool thing. Podcasters support each other a lot. We're not in competition because you can listen to any of them anytime you want. Uh, coming up soon, though, let me tell you what, what we got coming up. Monday, next Monday, I've got Amy Holland. McDonald's songwriter, Grammy Award winner from the first time she put out a song back when she was only 16. And that's when uh, her record company, which was uh, uh, Screen Gems, or Cold Gems rather, uh, with Columbia Screen Gems, hired a a piano player. They were publishing her music and recording her, and they hired this piano player to work with her, and they ended up obviously getting along because they're still married all these years later, and that was Michael McDonald, and she's on tour with him right now. And let's see, I've also got Pat Dugans, who's an NPR uh, reporter or host and uh, NPR station in Alabama, but he's also an expert on NASA flights, and he's written several books about that. He's covered, I think, every NASA mission uh, for everything for 30 years now. Also, um, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some of these in little bits and, and, and things later. Also, Ricky Bird. Ricky Bird's coming. Uh, he was the guitarist for Joan Jett as well as several other people. And I think also he played in Joan Jett's Black Hearts with our, our previous guest, Chasm Sultan, one of our favorites here in Madame Perry Salon. So Ricky Bird, um, Got a new CD out. It's probably in my mailbox now called Clean Getaway. And uh, it's him and several other musicians who have gone through recovery for, I think, alcohol and drug abuse and uh, coming through with some different kind of music and ideas and things to share. So I am super excited to have Ricky Bird here. I think it's next, uh, next Wednesday. But if you're listening live tonight, which is uh, Tuesday, November 7th, 2017, and it is little after 7 p.m. Eastern, a little after 6 Central, and, well, you can do the math going out west. Tonight's show, uh, you probably heard a couple months ago, I had a fascinating guy on, 
uh, Peter G. He's a writer, cartoonist, one of the most interesting people I know. And that doesn't even begin to describe what this guy does. But he's uh, just fascinating and, and very up-to-date on um, a lot of social events, which which I admire in someone. And uh, then he came on another show, and, and we just had a delightful discussion. And everything I do with Peter ends up being a highly rated show, as in I get lots and lots of downloads from it. So if you don't know him already, it, you should, and you're going to enjoy him. And so Peter was ta- and I were talking about the tsunami of revelations or, or things coming out of the claws that are out of the shadows in Hollywood, business, and beyond about sexual predators, or I think as Peter called it, the Weinstein effect. And, of course, it's not just that, you know, every woman, and, and actually a lot of men that have ever worked anywhere have known the pressure of sexual harassment in regards to a job. So I'm about to introduce Peter G. in just a moment. Also joining us tonight uh, in just a little bit, I think, will be my friend, Andrea Robinson, who you probably know, she's often uh, one of our favorite callers on. She's a writer and a social activist, and she just recently attended, I believe it was a three-day workshop, the Nonviolent Action Workshop with Sarah Thompson in Fresno, California. And I think uh, Andrea will be jumping in just any minute now. But let me go ahead and welcome here into the genie bottle my dear friend, Peter G. Peter, welcome back to Madam Perry Salon. So glad you're here. Thank you. It's wonderful to be back. Always a pleasure to be here. Oh, thank you. So I was so glad when you know we were having a discussion recently, and um, and let me see. I think I think if you can, if you if you don't mind reaching over and parting the beaded curtains for me just a little bit, I think Andre is coming in. Would you do that? Oh, sure. Here, hold on one second here. Thank you, dear. Hi, oh, Andre. Hi. How are you doing, sweetie? Doing great. Can you hear me? Great. Isn't he a gentleman? Yeah, I can hear you great. He's such um, a sweetheart. I can already pick up the vibes. I know, I know. I adore him. And so, and of course, you're one of our favorite. You're part of the family here at Madame Perry Salon. So, uh, and I was just announcing that you had recently been through the, was it a three-day workshop with Sarah Thompson, the nonviolent action um, two workshop? Day. Yeah, it was really like Friday evening and Saturday all day. And it was okay. very thorough and quite a life-changing event, too. Okay. Well, we're going to – I'm gonna, glad you're here so you can share some, some things from that with us just a little bit. But right now, I'm just going to ask Peter to go ahead and discuss. You know, we had – Peter and I had a recent uh, phone call a couple of weeks ago, and he was talking about this, the, this um, as I said, the tsunami. Tsunami, this just an avalanche or just snowball mm. effect of stories coming out. And it's not like some people act like, some, like it's just a jumping on the bandwagon effect. But as I said, I think almost every woman and, and many more men than we would, um, than most women would imagine have also dealt with some sorts of, of sexual predators or sexual harassment in the workplace, other situations. So, Peter, I'm going to ask you to lead off this discussion with me and where you came with the term the Weinstein effect and how it applies to our topic. Well, the whole th- the whole thing I've been following this closely, mostly because it, I was initially following because I was afraid of the of the trajectory it was going to take, and for a while it was taking what I feared. Uh, looking back at the Bill Cosby uh, scandal, this was where er- this was where uh, my fear started because Bill Cosby, uh, as most people know, has been accused by dozens of women of of sexual predation, of drugging them, of raping them, all all kinds of things. And there's a lot of very suspicious people who have worked with him who are being quiet. 
Um, uh, strictly speaking, and this is uh, just in the interest of full disclosure, um, I do I have not had any experience with Bill Cosby, but a friend of mine worked in the hospitality industry, and she did meet him once, and she told me that he was one of the meanest, most stuck-up people she, that she ever met. Uh, he refused to talk to people like her and her pay grade. Uh, he acted like he owned the building, and uh, this is according to her. So it's so so it's secondhand knowledge. I'm not set passing this off as fact. I want to be abundantly clear on that. Right. But uh, in this industry, she's run into a few celebrities. She ran to Michael Jordan. Uh, she ran to Ron Jeremy, uh, the adult film star. Uh, <laughs> it took me a while because when she said, "Yeah, I even met Ron Jeremy," I said, "Who?" And she's like, "Oh, I can tell you, you're not the usual kind of guy <laughs> if you don't know who Ron Jeremy is." <laughs> but uh, but from what she had told me, uh, th- it, it did not come as a surprise to me that Cosby had a darker side to him. But what 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 got me was that all these allegations come out, and people immediately start saying, "Well, why didn't the women come forward? You know, they're just trying to tear down a successful man. They're just bandwagoning and stuff like that." All of this completely overlooked the fact that it was not started by women coming forward. The whole Bill Cosby scandal snowballed because because Kevin Hart called out uh, Kevin Hart of all people called out Bill Cosby in one of his stand-up sets, and that was what prompted people to start looking and people to start talking. So blaming women was wrong. If you are a Cosby defender, the one you should be attacking is Kevin Hart because he's the one who who pulled the Band-Aid off. And when the Weinstein scandal started, and I started worrying that it was going to take the same trajectory, and for a while it was, because the Weinstein scandal started because of a report in uh, in the New York I – th- yeah, it's probably the New York Times, just because uh, there were stories that there was an attempt to publish an expose about Weinstein around like 2004, 2006 – and uh, the uh, the Weinstein Company and some of the people who worked there kind of persuaded the newspaper to uh, remove the sexual uh, uh, harassment allegations. That's the story that's alleged. And and uh, so the story comes out uh, several years too late. I frankly believe that this should not have been buried as long as it was. And uh, there's there's been there have been rumors and stuff like that. I mean, I'm not directly plugged into Hollywood. I just follow it very closely because I want to know who I'm getting mixed up with when I do my writing. Uh, yes, mm-hmm. it's taking me a long time to get my writing started, but I want to do it right. I don't want to owe my soul to somebody. And well, I help get you get your start in uh, in Hollywood. I need your help to you know give me some good PR. You know, I want to do things the right way. And uh, the Weinstein scandal blew up with this report. And as women started coming forward, people started uh, started to attack uh, the women again, saying, well, you should have come forward sooner and everything like that. There is a columnist. I do not want to mention his name because I don't want to sound like I'm calling him out. This guy, mm-hmm. is con- his whole shtick is to, expo- is to uh, basically expose people exploiting the system. You know, it's like – you know, like stories about how some uh, some uh, gay waitress or something like that uh, has a, has a derogatory slur written on her receipt, and it turns out she faked it or something like that. He will go out of his way to cover those stories, but he will quiet down and he will not cover stories where it turns out to be true. And uh, I'll be getting and I'll be getting around to him and his hypocrisy in just a minute. But he uh, he was among those saying, well, it has to be proven in a court of law. We have to, you know, we have to know for sure these women could just be bandwagoning. It's just their word against his. And 
he also claims that he has had some interaction with Hollywood. He apparently worked in the service industry there himself for a while. So how anyone who has been working with the industry can't know about the code of silence, the, the stone wall that protects everything. I mean, there have been all the stories about how, uh, about how uh, I don't remember which one it was, but it was some actress who was revealed to be pregnant or something like that because the press was about to reveal Rock Hudson was gay, and this was to try and throw him off the scent. Uh, 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 mm. Shirley Temple, when uh, she was a child actress, when she was uh, when she blew her lines, the director put her in an ice box and made her sit on a block of ice for an hour until she got her act together. So uh, there has long been this culture of abuse and cronyism in Hollywood. Uh, it's it's people like to say things like patriarchy and stuff like that. It is not. It is cronyism. You have because. Because the, the old boy network will use their own. They will use other men if it gets them their power. It's all about it's the Chicago way. Get yours and take his. And anybody mm-hmm. that has had any dealings with Hollywood and is surprised by this or he goes, well, it needs to be proven in a court of law, it's, a, it's an open secret. Everyone knows who's who and, and what's doing what. It's just that they don't talk about it because they're trying to maintain, uh, they're trying to maintain their control and their image. You know, the image is more important than what you do. Look at the Kardashians. The Kardashians are famous, mm-hmm. and they haven't done anything worthwhile. And so, <laughs> so it started, but as more and more women started speaking up, and it became harder and harder to shout them down because then all of a sudden you had people like Ashley Judd. Ashley Judd, uh, Ashley, I feel so sorry for her. She's really had it rough. Uh, she was considering running for uh, Senate in her in her home state, and there were rumors circulating that uh, that uh, the opposition party was ready to dig through her history and just release embarrassing facts about her, or bring up things like you know, uh, is this a woman you want, stuff like that, and just ruin her if she ran. All I know is that shortly after those rumors started, she suddenly said, "No, I'm not really going to run." So she's she's been pushed around a lot, and when she revealed that Weinstein harassed her, Gwyneth Paltrow revealed that Weinstein harassed her, and all because the biggest thing with a lot of these people when they complain is that you know these women are just bandwagoning or they're trying to do a shakedown. You know, it's like I can uh, I can ruin your reputation if you don't give me some money. Do that and I'll be quiet. Well, Gwyneth Paltrow and Ashley Judd and them, they don't need the money. They don't need the fame. So mm-hmm. the big motivator that they could ascribe to anybody else, boom, gone. And now all of a sudden everybody starts paying attention and starts rolling forward. And the complaints of trying to focus on the women and stuff like that are now gone, and everybody's looking at the New York uh, Times and going, wow, you guys were on the money. And it's, it's called, it started what I called the Weinstein effect because now everybody is speaking out about everybody. Now all of a sudden – the, the veil of secrecy has been blown to smithereens, and you know, thank God for that. I say, I mean, now you have mm-hmm. like there's people uh, making allegations against Brett Ratner, uh, the head of NeoGAF. He just got nailed by it because people are speaking up. The worst one, <laughs> you know, I didn't think anything could be worse than Harvey Weinstein and uh, and his little uh, support network, but oh my God, Kevin Spacey. <laughs> uh, yeah, what do you know? It turns out it turns out there actually is a bad time to come out as being gay. And it's right when you're in the middle of, of being accused like that. And uh, you know, right here on my computer, um uh, opening this tab here, Kentucky House Speaker resigns post after text with staffer. 
uh, Frankfort, Connecticut, uh, or Kentucky. Kentucky's Republican House Speaker resigned his leadership position Sunday after acknowledging he settled sexual harassment claims with one of his staffers last month. And, uh, oh, Florida Senator accused of groping removed his budget chair. A Florida senator accused by six women of groping or making demeaning comments about their bodies was removed from his powerful position as budget chairman on Monday. Republican Senator Jack uh, Latvala is also a candidate for governor. Well, not anymore. He's not. Uh, (laughs) And and like I said, it's just this whole thing that people have been able to just hush up as, oh, it's he said, she said, needs to be proven in a court of law and all the rest of the stuff has snowballed. It is now an unstoppable force of nature. And everybody that has that has thought that they were safe all this time is now staring right at it, barreling right for them, and they don't know if they're going to survive. And there's, it's created some unlikely heroes, you know, like Seth MacFarlane. Uh, you got to keep in mind, I used to be a big fan of Seth MacFarlane Family Guy. But around like the fifth season, I think it was, I started losing interest because he seemed more interested in just being outrageous than being funny. Uh, there is a distinct difference in the shows at that point. But in 2005, McFarland took a cheap shot at Weinstein in front of the press. Uh, they were announcing the Oscar nominees that year. It was him and Emma Stone. Uh, they were standing on stage. Uh, McFarland read through the nominees. Uh, it was Anne Hathaway and Kate Blanchett and stuff. And after he read the names, he said, congratulations, ladies. You no longer have to pretend to be attracted to Harvey Weinstein. And there was this nervous laughter in the audience. And even Emma Stone, she got that look in her eyes, kind of like Mike Myers when Kanye West went off pop about Hurricane Katrina. <laughs> and, but no one really said or did anything. And it's only now that everyone's discovering this and going, oh, my God, did he, you know, did he know and he said, yes, he knew, because one of uh, his, uh, his co-stars on Family Guy, she had just had a run-in with Weinstein, and that was his little way of letting him know he wasn't happy. But please notice, people like Ben Affleck, you know, uh, Quentin Tarantino, the darling of indie cinema for some unknown reason. I am not a Quentin Tarantino fan. I know that he has a lot of cachet with the movie geeks and stuff like that. I'm not impressed with him, but that's neither here nor there. But initially he said he was shocked and, and horrified by all this, and eventually he came around and said, yeah, I knew, and I should have done something about it. Well, for all those people wondering why women don't talk, here's the reason why. And then mm-hmm. Terry Crews, the former NFL player who's also uh, an actor and, uh, and a game show host and stuff like that, he's basically become like a modern-day Chuck Norris. He's got this big following of, uh, of people who, you know, you know, cheer him on because, you know, he's just, you know, he's like a, like a real-life Batman. He's the guy who could do anything. He's admitted he was sexually harassed. Rob Schneider, he admitted he was harassed. And it's, like I said, it's everybody that's been able to say and pretend – that this doesn't happen now has no excuse. Now they have to face the fact that it is there. People don't talk. They have good reason for it. And it's not people looking for a shakedown. It's people who feel they did something wrong or they're ashamed or their entire livelihoods are in danger if they try and confront these people. You know, uh, Corey Feldman, mm-hmm. the footage of him on The View when Barbara Walters was actually pushing him back when he was talking about the pedophilia rings in Hollywood. Once again, an open secret. This has been documented mm-hmm. all over the place, but everyone wants to pretend it's not true. And uh, and now it's like, wait a minute, because this is also the same Barbara Walters who stood up for Woody Allen when his stepson uh, accused him of, uh, of, uh, of, uh, 
of molesting him. So now her reputation is trash. Uh, once again, the guy who runs NeoGAF, he's history. Um, Kevin Spacey, we just we, Kevin Spacey actually got it, actually got nailed by Seth MacFarlane also, because there was an episode of Family Guy where Stewie Griffin, the little baby, is running around screaming, "Help! I just escaped from Kevin Spacey's basement." And now, <laughs> what started is just one guy saying that Kevin uh, Kevin Spacey came onto him when he was 14. Now all of a sudden, you have people. I think there was like six people from House of Cards alone saying that he mm-hmm. was a predator. And Netflix has dropped him from the show. They're still trying to figure out what they're going to do, and I don't envy them in this job because this whole thing has been rolling along. And and I feel bad because Kevin Spacey is a great actor. I was a big fan of his. Was. Uh-huh. I am notorious for if somebody does something really objectionable, throwing everything out. I can't listen to American Pie mm-hmm. anymore because of allegations that the guy beat his wife. So uh, I've been so the same way when I find out something like that. Yeah, it, it just changes everything. It just, it just discolors and, and destroys. Not only paints, it just destroys everything. And, you know, this is through. To go back, yeah, this is something It's not going to see. I mean, it's, it's happened. People have known it's happened. People have thought, be sure, but, she, but when somebody's a big star, they think, well, surely she wouldn't have done that, or surely this person, you know, she's. And then they go, well, why would they put up with it? Well, you know, it happens in every industry. I mean, it's happened with, you know, with. Me and women I know that worked in, in call center. Well, actually, there was I was thinking of the funny thing I talk about people in the media that think they're such a big deal. I had a cable access TV show back in the late 80s in Atlanta, and I remember this local TV anchor, whatever, came on there. And I thought, this is just my little cable show. He's just a little guy at a local station. But he kept following me into the women's bathroom and kept trying to get me to uh, let him go in the stall with me and undress and everything. I kept thinking, what, what a creep, you know, what a, what a you know, so um, I, I can't even conceive I mean, how the rational mind would think that was a good idea. You know, it's you know not to not to not to make light of the subject, but there was a movie in the 1970s called Chatterbox. I don't know if you ever heard of this. Chatterbox was about a woman with a talking. Uh, let's be polite and call it a hoo-ha. Uh, it, it not only <laughs> talked, but it could sing and wanted to be a singing star. And I'm well, watching this I movie. I don't think I do know this film. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm watching the movie, and I'm sitting there, I'm going, this went from idea to script to pre-production uh-huh. to shooting uh-huh. to editing to release. Uh-huh. And at no point did somebody go, we're making a movie about a talking vagina. What is wrong with us? <laughs> and it's things like what you described, it's like, how does a person think that that's normal? How does a person think that that, that it is just the thing to do? To do something, I, I just don't get it. And I don't want to chalk it up as I was raised properly or anything like that because raising only counts so far. After a little while, you become responsible for your own decisions. Mm-hmm. I mean, if everybody, yeah. I mean, yeah. some of the people who are being nailed in all this are people who were raised by parents who were involved in their lives and stuff like that, but at some point they just decided they could get away with it, so they should. And it's just you, – you look and it's – but it's wrong. Why are you doing this? And why are you so surprised mm-hmm. now that everybody's up against you? Because what you did mm-hmm. was an asshole thing to do. Exactly. Well, you yeah, know, I think you nailed but, but, it. Yeah, I'm, exactly, I'm sorry? Andre. No, I think you Andre nailed it. You nailed they it. just can. Yeah, it's – They can, so they did. Yeah, it's it's and, what and I meant about the culture of cronyism because 
anything i mean i've been i've worked in places where i mean i've worked with a, i've worked for a woman who uh was she was a total misandress. You know, men were weak and stuff like that. She had a bitter divorce. Not that that excuses what she did, but the fact is she thought mm. all men were weak and women were strong and stuff like that. And I saw every woman around me get, get promoted to shift supervisor and manager while I was left busting suds in the, in the dishwasher. And it's not a question of – it's a question of these are people who they're in a position – and for some reason, they think they can get away with it. This is what I mean by cronyism. It's mm-hmm. not anything that's socially ingrained. It's not this is socially acceptable or anything. It's simple greed and vanity. They can get away with it, so they do. It's Randy and objectivism taken it to its extreme. And in doing so, there's a lot of people that will get shafted by this. What recourse do they have? They can't say anything. And that's the reason why this whole Me Too campaign and stuff like that is so vital because they can't keep it up. They can't keep it quiet. They can't hush it up. Everybody who has – and people are finally seeing the problem has a bigger dimension than just, oh, it's just this group of people. Oh, it's just this city or something like that. You know, it was kind of like when uh, – it's kind of like when a crime happens and everyone thinks it can't happen here. And then they find out, oh, yes, mm-hmm. it can. And you have to deal mm-hmm. with it. You have to take it head on because everybody has the right to be safe. You know, it's I like I said, I've been in situations where people have advanced over me for arbitrary reasons. I've also been in situations where I've been passed over because the person genuinely was better than me. Be they gay, be they women, whatever like that, they knew what they were doing and all you can do is say, You made the right choice. There has to be an element of fairness and a lot of people try to short circuit that because being fair means you don't know what's gonna happen. You might wind up, you know, you might wind up missing the opportunity because somebody was better. So you want to grease the skids a little bit. Everybody tries to just push it a little further, and the people that figure out that they can and get away with it are more likely to do it. A lot of our morality is not a result of morality; it's a fear of getting caught. Um, I'm not mm-hmm. sure if you ever read John Stuart Mill. He was a philosopher. He created utilitarianism. His main thing was that social justice was more threatening than legal justice. People won't mind if you threaten them with jail time or something like that. But being ostracized from society, from their family, from their friends, that's the part that scares them. And when you have a bunch of people who are basically insulating you and it's like, oh, no matter what happens, we're going to be here for you, it emboldens them to do more because they have nothing to fear. Uh, The Batman Begins movie by Christopher Nolan, I love that movie. And there's a scene where the crime boss is talking to Bruce Wayne before he becomes Batman. And he's pointing out to him, it's like, you see that guy over there? That's the chief of police. See that guy over there? He's a judge. I could shoot you right in front of them, and they'll do nothing. That's power. And that's what this is. And we're now finally seeing the power structure crumble. You know, between Brett Ratner and everything like that, uh, and Neil Gaff. Mm-hmm. Getting back to the guy I was telling you about, I'll get to his hypocrisy, because <laughs> – uh, this guy had beef with uh, with uh, with the guy at NeoGaf. He calls himself Evil Lore. They had beef for a long time, going back and forth. Now that Evil Lore uh, has basically seen the psycho up in flames, he's bragging about how oh he's brought down. He's a phony. He talks about you know empowering women and being a feminist and stuff like that. And look, he's worse than anybody else. Keep in mind that the allegations he's laughing at are things that he basically said don't matter to the other to the other cases. Harvey Weinstein, stuff like that, it's like, oh, it needs to be proven in a court of law. There's just bandwagon and stuff like that. But if it's someone he doesn't like, oh, he buys it and he promotes it because it's bringing down somebody he doesn't like. 
Just like with mm-hmm. the perpetrators, the morality for those on the other side depends entirely on who they like and who they don't like. Once again, it's cronyism. Yeah. It's just it serves a different agenda. And this is where the problem is. Everybody is serving an agenda, and, oh, I'll think of the big picture instead of doing what is right. Mm-hmm. And let me just stop and tell everybody, if you want to join us, um, if you're listening tonight and you want to join the conversation with my, myself, Peter G., Andrea Robinson, uh, the number is 646-716-9922. That's 646-716-9922. And I'm only going to ask you just a minute to explain something else to us. I'm, I'm making a note here. But just so you know, to close up my story about the guy, the, the little local TV guy. I'm oh, sorry about that. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I apologize. No, 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 no. It was just no, gosh, no, no, no. I was working in a call center, um, customer service call center for a cellular phone company at the time. And then I remember at the time I'm having to deal with this. I've got this, this uh, one manager, supervisor that keeps going around. Everybody knew that my husband traveled a lot back then. And he would come and he'd wait until I was on the phone and he'd come dip down beside my ear and go, and if you need me to service you sexually while your husband's out of town, you know I'm always available. And he oh, would Jesus. always say stuff like that because I had no proof. And then we found out you know, the, the manager over him was his cousin who had hired people in, but didn't tell anybody she was related until you'd accidentally hear them call her Aunt Pat, Aunt Pat, instead of... You know, miss what her name was. But I remember that at the same time that guy did call in because I guess he got a, a job at another station. And uh, But he didn't recognize my name, you know, because I just got my first name when I answered. And he didn't recognize my voice. So he was saying, and I'm leaving. I'm going to a different station. So what I need you to do with my last phone bill, I want you to take off these certain numbers. Can you take off certain phone numbers? Well, you couldn't do that back then. But numbers that he didn't want his wife to see. And then after you take those off, send me the bill. And after that, close my account. And I said, yes, I'd take care of that. And, of course, <laughs> As soon as I hit Mr. Click, Make that copies. was it. You know, <laughs> I didn't cut the bill off. He probably had somebody to call back in. I did not take the numbers off, you know. And mm-hmm. I know it was nothing but just something stupid. But it was just a tiny victory. Andrea, you know what I'm saying. This was a tiny victory on my behalf, okay? You know what I'm I talking about. I truly do. <laughs> I truly <laughs> did that. You don't there was a guy, I heard, the sto- I heard the story back in like the 80s or something like that. Uh, this guy, he worked at a company, and uh, his boss walked away from a gambling debt by pointing a gun near his testicles and saying the debt was paid. So what this guy did, because this, this story gets – you're going to love this story. Uh, so what this guy did was he did some disguise makeup so that from a distance he looked like his boss. And when his boss went to the airport to uh, get on a plane and go to a business meeting, this guy uh, had one of his buddies drive him around in a car. He hung out the window waving a fake gun at people and sending them scattering. And so the police wanted to talk to this guy. Now, at this point, you're probably wondering, what about the airline alibi? Well, it turns out there wasn't an airline alibi because he actually ducked out the side of the airport to have a rendezvous with his mistress instead. (laughs) And, oh my gosh! Oh yeah, and so it's like, well, he, he's under investigation from the police. He can't tell the truth because then his marriage is over, and his wife will take him for everything he's got. <laughs> <laughs> but he doesn't want to go to jail. So, <laughs> and uh, you know, the guy considers uh, considers the whole thing uh, settled at this point. You know, he says he said in the interview, he said, "I don't know how it ended badly. I hope." Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I firmly maintain that the world would not be in the condition it's in if more people would fight back. You know, a lot of people mm. are just nervous about it. I, oh, God. Uh, in like 1984, I want to think it was, 82, 84, something like that, 
There was a guy named Alfred Johnson. Alfred Johnson's mother watched uh, watched the Jerry Falwell show, and she wound up pledging her entire pension fund to this guy. Tens of thousands of dollars went to this shyster. Uh, I have a problem with televangelists. I call them the pro wrestlers of religion. And uh, and uh, they called them up and they said, "Look, she's old. We're poor. We can't take care of her. She needs the money back." Nope, it's our money now. Well, uh, Johnson was a computer nut, and he programmed his computer to call Falwell's 1-800 number several times a day. He, it would call. They would pick up. The call would complete. It would disconnect and then call back again. Keep in mind, a 1-800 number, the person you're calling pays for the call. He jacked up Falwell's bill by half a million bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Falwell tried taking oh, him to yes. court. And it came back. It's like, nope, this was the deal you signed with the phone company. You pay the half now. <laughs> That's creative. <laughs> oh yeah, it's it, yeah, it's like I said. If but but like I said, in order to fight back, there it not only takes it not only takes guts, it also takes reassurance. I mean, look at Corey Feldman. Corey Feldman wants ten million dollars to make his movie exposing Hollywood pedophiles, and it's not just to cover the production costs; it's also to protect his family. Uh, I will mm-hmm. point out that about a year ago. Uh, I think it was the Inquirer claimed that they had the name of the guy who, 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 uh, who, who raped Corey Haim and started him on this downward spiral. They had a guy who was ready to talk and name names, and they wanted to make sure that he was protected. And mm-hmm. nothing since then. Absolutely nothing. Wow. So it's like this Sweet. stuff is out there, and the power structure is still there. It needs to be smashed. And but a lot of people don't have access to the tools or the resources or the protections because, you know, it's it is harder to prosecute. It is harder to prosecute just general talk than it is an actual murder attempt, because an actual murder attempt, you know, that, you know, that's that's, you know, it's it's less dangerous because you have somebody that actually did something to you and the police can take action on that. Somebody just making threatening statements or something like that or stalking you or something, you don't really have any protections for that other than a restraining order. And that doesn't stop anything. You know, people double park and smoke weed. They're not going to stop just because you have a piece of paper saying, stay away from me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and so, like I said, yeah, the power structure needs to be smashed, and a lot of people that have skated by for years on goodwill need to be taken to, need to be taken to task. Uh, I love the fact that Alec Baldwin is finally getting some blowback after all these years. Uh, Rose McGowan is one of the people who said that Weinstein raped her, uh, and uh, and uh, uh, Baldwin made a tweet and he and he said i'm sure you've heard the rumor that that uh, weinstein raped mcgowan called it a rumor completely dismissed mm. what she said or anything just destru- described it as a rumor and now you know besides mcgowan taking him to task so are a lot of followers this is the same guy who uh, for some i keep saying cuz the gay community loves alec baldwin they think he's a great proponent of their rights and their interests and stuff like that but this is a guy that will frequently use gay slurs to insult people he doesn't like and it's like you wouldn't let anybody else get away with that why are you letting him get away with it just cuz right. he's on your side you should be calling him out on it well now he's but getting caught and he can't wiggle out of it yeah. well bear in mind and i forget i think it was uh, uh what was it, a new york times article a couple months back said, not only, you know, I don't know about 
if if our president's making America great again, which I thought it already was great, but making it great again. But he said, uh, I don't know if he's done that, but I can tell you two things. He's made SNL great again, and he's made America forget what a jerk Gallup Baldwin is, ho. <laughs> well, I, I honestly don't understand why it wasn't over when Trump made fun of the handicap reporter. It should have been over there, and it wasn't. And Trump I actually – that's – that's, that's part of the whole Bill Cosby thing I was talking about because Trump admits he gropes women inappropriately. A bunch of women say yeah. he groped us inappropriately. Trump says they're setting me up, and people say those women are looking for trouble. He admitted it. Yeah, or This isn't fake news. It came right from his say, mouth. Oh. Yeah, and all the evangelists, Pat Robertson, which, God's sake, somebody just needs to wheel him off into a home somewhere. <laughs> but, you know, put him in a, and, and, and put a camera – Put him in an assisted living or nursing home and put a camera in front of him. They've got enough money to trick out his entire nursing home room like it's a studio and let him pretend like he's on TV and think he's on TV the rest of his life until, you know, the rest of his unnatural life. Just let him think he's on TV. That's all you got to do. They've got plenty of extra cameras, I'm sure. But I was to say, Amy Zimmerman of uh, the Daily Beast, you know, two weeks ago she has a um, – uh, an article called, Why Didn't Anyone Listen to Corey Feldman's Warnings About Pedophilia in Hollywood? And I thought, yeah. my God, what this guy has been through, and all the young men like him. You know, it happens to women, but it happens to you, especially to young men like that, too, that don't know what to do and don't know what to say. And they are going to be, and I don't know who's more afraid of what people are going to say about them. With women, it's like, oh, well, it must be the way she dressed, she's a slut, she brought on herself. But then these kids and everybody's like, oh, well, they must be this, that, whatever, they let them on. Um you know, Corey Feldman, you've heard about – we've been hearing about him for years, but nobody took him seriously. And the same thing with, uh, you know, Bill Cosby. I first heard back in the probably the late 80s, a lot of comedians, I think, have said – I don't know, Patton Oswalt, different people said, oh, yeah, people in comedy have known about it for years. But mm-hmm. one thing I want to ask you to do for us um, – uh, before we go any further, this part, uh, would you explain to, because we had a discussion about this, but would you explain to listeners that don't know, when you talked about NeoGAF, what is NeoGAF for the for the uninitiated? Uh, uh, well, actually, here, let me just, because it's easier if I just bring or up the article that I wrote and go from there, okay. because I know I'll miss details if I don't. So give me a second to bring it up. Okay. But, uh, right. yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's not good. Uh Let's see, uh, uh, articles. Okay, I wrote this, The Long-Delayed End of Neogaf. Okay, and I start off with a quote. Uh, the devil has his price and I'll make sure you pay. From King Dice from the video game Cuphead. The Weinstein effect continues its death march across media. Fueled by the Me Too campaign, a harsh light is bearing down on everybody, and they are scattering like cockroaches in the kitchen. People who are afraid of becoming uh, uh, people who are afraid are becoming emboldened, and the justice people have hid from for so long is out to get them. And when I say media, I mean media. It's no secret there's lots of people in Hollywood who are still going to use their positions of power, but they are but they are losing protections. Director James Toback has been hit with 38 complaints of sexual harassment. Olympic gymnast, gymnast Michaela Moroni has is coming forward to reveal sexual harassment in her field. Just this week, Nickelodeon sack Chris Sav, uh, Savino, the creator of The Loud House, for sexual harassment, despite rumors following him for almost a decade. No one is safe, including new media. 
A man on a, a man on gaming forum site NeoGAF using the handle ScissorFight under the header "My Little Sister Was Sexually Harassed by Someone Famous in the Gaming Industry." decided to share his sister's story that she posted on Facebook. Quote, I remember a man claiming to be my friend going on a road trip to New Orleans. In NOLA, we drank and had fun, and one night we had been drinking in our hotel room, and I got sick. I was throwing up and decided to hop in the shower to feel better. I was surprised when he got into the shower fully naked behind me. I had a boyfriend at the time and didn't think I'd given him any reason to think I'd wanted this. I don't cheat, so I told him I, what, it wasn't okay, that I was sick, that I had a boyfriend, that I didn't want that. He got out and he started slowly resenting me, being mean to me, ignoring me in a city he drove me to. I couldn't wait to get home. I couldn't tell my partner for fear that he would claim that I let him on, which I find a very uh, telling statement right there that, you know, this is supposed to be mm -hmm. somebody you can trust with your deepest secrets and you're afraid he'll say that you brought this on yourself. That's a horrible way to live. <clears throat> anyway. True. Um, um, I couldn't, uh, let's see, uh, my relationship with my boyfriend suffered and we broke up soon after that. I couldn't come out about this situation because the perpetrator is a semi-famous man who would have retaliated and I couldn't afford to defend myself. There are websites dedicated to this person's sexual assault history. I didn't know. I was scared. I was tired. I still can't post his name out of fear. Fear for a film he acted in for me. Fear of ridicule. Fear of not being believed. I don't want to be silent anymore. I will continue to post stories until I don't feel like it anymore. And there are so many. Also, street harassment count for the day so far is four, and I only walk two blocks from where my ride dropped me off to where I work. Let that sink in. Back on Facebook, a woman responded to the original post, urging her to speak up and, quote, take her power back. Initially, the poster said no. Ten minutes after the response, she wrote, not right now. I don't want to go back there. I don't want him to ever contact me. I got lucky. But two minutes later, she posted, fuck it, Google evil lore. So for those that came in late, who is evil lore? Evil lore is one Tyler Malka, the founder, owner, and CEO of NeoGAF. Yes, the same site where ScissorFight made his initial post. NeoGAF has become a very influential site in the video game world, with fans and developers alike going there to talk shop. Getting approved to participate in the forums takes a long time, sometimes months. But Tyler Malka has a very dirty history of sexual harassment that the staff of NeoGAF has tried to keep under wraps. For example, back in 2012, Malka bragged about groping a woman flirting with him on a train to Spain as a show of dominance that he, quote, wouldn't be taken advantage of, end quote, then banned any forumite who, who questioned the morality of what he did. Rumors spread that anyone who didn't pair his specific stances regarding Gamergate, such as Boogie 289, were also banned. Despite, claiming to, despite him claiming to be a staunch supporter of women's rights and feminism, he has no trouble using misogynistic insults against people like Miss Crocodile, and even stated simply in another thread, quote, sexual objectification is great, harassment is, is not. Back in June of this year, former site, ed, uh, uh, former site mod Amarox was busted for child porn. Malka officially stated that he didn't know Amarox, only knew him by his screen name, didn't even know his real name. However, a GoFundMe set up to help Amarox with, listed a Tyler Malka as making the top contribution to the site of $1,000. Anyone questioning if NeoGAF would start doing background checks on its, admin, on its admins got banned from the site and blocked on Twitter. Uh, let's see. Ma uh, so... Malka was patrolling the forums and, in short order, deleted ScissorFight's thread and banned him from the site. Others, however, had already screencapped everything and started posting it in more threads. It is unknown how many were shut down by Malka and how many were by his staff, but within a few hours, four of the admins, Basada, Cyan, Xander Cage, and Kabouter, quit. By the next day, the rest of them, those deaf mutes, Charla Quinn, Stumpacow, EMC, Christine, Nyrolak, and Duckroll, were gone. As of this moment, other than Malka himself, there are no mods at NeoGAF. 
Users are demanding to be perm-banned from the site, complete with a dedicated thread for people to make that request. Malka has yet to make a statement regarding any of this. NeoGAF is dead, cold, worm food, street pizza. There is no way Malka will ever recover his reputation and trust enough to start this over. Side note, I previously mentioned a commentator I hate who has been saying all the accusers of Harvey Weinstein and others should have come out sooner. They're just bandwagoning and they need to prove it in a court of law. This guy, who has previously been at extreme odds with Malka, is making pieces about how great it is to see Malka get exposed as a hypocrite. Please notice that all his tactics downplaying harassers and their motivations are not factoring into this. The only implied reason why he's joining in to, to kick Malka while he's down is because he has beef with the guy, even though his case is no different than the others he's downplayed. This guy is unbelievable. As I write this, it's Sunday. Malka's Twitter has been silent since late August, and there are no signs of that changing. NeoGAF itself is on lockdown so that the various posts can be dealt with. The story is still developing. But I've seen this movie before. I know how it turns out. And it's just another example of someone who didn't see the Weinstein effect until it overtook him. Mm. Wow. Mm-mm. Wow. My goodness. Well, that's a whole, whole lot to, to man. And, see, and most of us who aren't even in that world don't even think about it. But then again, it's it's that's the perva- that's the uh, that just Power, the, perva- like, the pervasiveness. Yeah. Power, like nature, abhors a vacuum. I mean, I'm sure you've noticed that any time something becomes a success, the first thing that happens is they try to turn it into a protected market. It used to be that you could pay for a visit to the doctor with like a, with like a 10 spot or something like that. You just went to mm-hmm. the doctor and you were done. Then health insurance starts saying, well, no, you can only do that within our network of approved providers. Anyone else you have to pay more for, which forced people into there. It created a protected market that you had to participate in because it just wasn't financially feasible for you to do anything else. We see this with video games, where what used to be just you know people having a good time has now become dedicated servers, DRM. Uh, you know, each each major publisher has their own way of digital distribution because there was only one originally. They're like, well, why are we sharing the money? So they took their own games and they made their own cr- protected space that no one else could get in on. And now we're seeing it with streaming media. Uh, ne- you know, Disney has decided to tell Net- Netflix to f off, and they're starting their own streaming service and getting people on board with them. You know, it, there's going to come a point where people where it's going to start failing because no one's going to want to pay the extra money every month for something that only gives them one or two things, the very thing that made yeah, these things exactly. successful. But it creates a protected market where they hold the marbles and no one else does, and that's what we see here. You know, video mm-hmm. games had the same thing happen. You know, it's like yeah, here's a bunch of people who realize they have influence and they can use it for leverage. And, mm-hmm. I mean, the whole thing with Gamergate and everything like that was nothing but, you know, it was nothing but abuse of power and how the press that should have been covering stories was hushing it up because they were buddies with the people at the, at the game publishers. And that's and a damn And it's a cycle that know, repeats and happens every time. No different. Okay, if you hold with me a minute, I'm going to play Spot by our sponsor tonight, and then when we come back, and, and it's, uh, that'll be about 90 seconds, and when we come back, too, uh, Peter G., I just never have enough time with you, or Andre will bring you on. So uh, when we come back, though, Andrea, I want to ask you something about, if you could share something from the nonviolent action workshop with you uh, that you took this uh, weekend. And sure. Any, yeah, I'm taking up way that, too much time uh, on this. this. God, no, honey, I can't, I can't get enough. You know that. That's why I said Andrea's family now. You're, fam- you're part of the Madame Perry Salon family, both of you, and mm-hmm. I can't get enough of you. Mm-hmm. So stay with me just a moment while I play uh, this spot by our sponsor, Reno Soriano. Be right back. 
Hi there, my friend. Are you struggling with repeating life problems? Does it seem like your life does not flow the way you are intending? Have you lost touch with your dreams and maybe even given up on them? Have you tried many spiritual modalities and practices in the attempt to resolve your life problems with little to no significant results to show for it? Well, I have a solution for you. Hi, I'm Rena Suriano. I'm also known as the Conscious Health Alchemist. I'm known to help people crush their life problems easily and quickly using my luminous consciousness expansion practices. I also assist people to create radiant health in a bligant body using my fun food fantastic recipes and my secret holistic elixirs and remedies. Look, most people spend thousands of dollars over many years on personal development seeking the better of their lives. The fact that you may not be aware of this, more than 90% of people who use the common laws of attraction and other similar teachings never really experience much change in their life. If you want to discover the reasons why you continue to struggle and even suffer in life regardless of what personal development modalities you are using, then I have a gift for you. Go to my website right now at lifebrilliance.com and instantly download my free report and video called Luminous Life Detox, How to Create a Life That Flows and Feels Good. I look forward to hearing about your transformation soon. I'm Reno Suriano, and remember, live victoriously. Yeah! Music by Ryan Farish on the album of Life and Stereo. All right, Reno Soriano, and he's been a guest here several times and always leaves us feeling mm-hmm. super energized. I, I just adore him. All right, so now, now, Andre, it might seem odd that, you know, I've asked you to join us too because I just think nonviolent action workshop, that might not sound like it has mm-hmm. anything to do, but I, I'm guessing that this subject did come up of uh, oh, sexual predators I, and sexual violence. Well, it's, it's all, I mean, anytime somebody's abusing somebody else, they're performing violent acts, even if they're using emotional violence or physical violence or, you know, verbal violence or manipulation. It's all about control and manipulation. I just, uh, Peter, I really appreciate your passion because you're clearly understanding what it likes to be uh, on the other side and um, just, you know, they do, the people that tend to be violent pick their victims and they pick the people who have less power so they really can't effectively fight back. And what this workshop was all about was about calling attention to community uh, issues nonviolently without, you know, without hurting anybody. So, I thought one of the most striking things that Sarah had to say, her name is Sarah Thompson. She was there at Charlottesville when uh, there was the guy that ran over that lady at the protest against the neo-Nazis. And she is an expert. She's been all over the world, and she came out here to Fresno to teach us this class. Um, uh, But she said, you know, just to stay humble, and be open to people, even if they are super annoying or bothersome. She's kind of more in line with the Martin Luther King Jr. style of nonviolence, where uh, even if you're scared, even if you think somebody might, you know, smash you over the head with a baton, you're coming from a position of love, and you're coming from a position of peace. You're aware of the risks but you take that fear with you like a little baby and cradle it while you go along and know that you're just a little bit stronger than that fear. And by teaching us how to work with each other and how to communicate well, pretty much anything that comes up 
you know, you can uh, rely on each other and communicate well with each other and cover certain bases to make sure you're as safe as you possibly can be and that you don't do any real harm in return because that's not what it's about. So let's say I wanted to, uh, let's say, I mean, right now this whole sexual predatory behavior is all over the news and we're bombarded with it. But let's just say that it wasn't. Let's say most people had not heard of it yet. You might choose to do some nonviolent action to raise public awareness of the problem. So you would get together with your affinity group, some people that you've worked with before in planning things like this, and you'd say, okay, well, we're, what we're going to do is we're going to go out in the middle of the road and we're going to, um, you know, hold up a sign uh, or some kind of figure or something like that, and we know that the police are going to come and remove us at some point. So how are we going to plan this uh, so that nobody gets hurt, so we don't want to cause a traffic accident, we don't really want to break the law, and 90% of the time they, they get the permits, they had the permits in Charlottesville, you know, they were doing everything legally, but let's just say you were going to go overboard to really, really make a point. Um, you would want to know exactly how you should carry yourself and who's going to do what, like who's going to film the event with their phone, what's going to happen if and when you get arrested. You should already have people in place at home to take care of your pets if you do get arrested because you, you're not really necessarily going to get out anytime soon. Um, you should have some medication on you if you need medication. and. The, but the most important thing that she transmitted, besides all these strategic points, was the heart and mindset. You know, why are you even doing this? What are you trying to get out of this? Are you trying to attack and villainize people because you don't like their behavior? Or are you trying to elevate the whole discussion to a different realm? And I think that's why uh, Satyagraha in India was so... Satyagraha is just a word for nonviolence. It's an Indian word. But that's why Gandhi was so effective because they were not uh, tearing anything down as much as building up their point of view and their perspective. Mm-hmm. So, Got it. Well, uh, the real, same thing oh, with Martin Luther King. Yeah, go ahead. No, I'm, I'm done with my spiel. Okay. I guess what I'm, and thank you for sharing all that. I know this had there's so much I think you've got from that you could that you could tell us about, and I'm sure it's hard to pick out a piece. But what I'm taking from that in relation to the discussion that that Peter has brought to us is that first of all, there are people the pred, uh, predators or um, look for victims. You know, they know how to they yes. know how who's going to be they know the people that won't speak up whether it's because somebody has worked so hard to get to a place to get to this in, in the Hollywood to this role or people who want a certain job in their company a corporate gig or oh, it's, um, it's, or, or it's the, kids it's the like Corey Feldman yeah nobody they can size them up I'm sorry, Demi. It's, I wanted to say because you'll notice that when people like want to shoot up a bunch of people or something like that they shoot up a church you know, yeah. they don't shoot up, say, a crack den because there's people with guns in there that will shoot back. You pick, th- you pick a target that can't shoot back, and that's what they do. It's the nature of a predator. And, and look at and, all the pedophilia. You know, they're picking on people who are new to the industry, and they're young enough that they really don't know, is this part of the 
is this normal out here? I mean, they really don't know what to make of it and take advantage of these young kids. Oh, it's it's even more they than don't. that. How many women, uh, if they describe, if uh, I've heard women describe their first sexual experiences, and they sound more like rape than sex to me. You know, they get they get they get manipulated by the guy into into doing it or anything, or they get kind of oh come on, it'll be fine and stuff like that because you know the guy thinks it's no big deal. So for a lot mm. of women, people decry it's like oh you're making everything right. They aren't consenting; they're being talked into it. That is not consent. That is mm. not sex. That's rape. That's the definition of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, exactly. Um, and, you know, I don't know if you remember this, Andrea, about six months ago I had a guest on here, uh, Diane Diamond, and one of the books she's written, she's written several uh, true crime books, but one of them was Be Careful Who You Love. And it was when she was covering the, one of the, mm. the trials of Michael Jackson, the courtroom trials, and uh, in the book she wrote about how, you know, he would go in and he would not only – Get involved in the kid's life, but the parents' life and the family. Get to know them. What do you need? You don't want to go on a vacation, you know? Mm. And then he's having sex with the kids. And then, of course, every time it came to court when things happened, you know, there was always too many people, oh, not Michael. He's our hero. He's And people that wanted to get mm. close to money and get close to fame. Mm-hmm. And the kids were just pretty much just like just, just, just collateral damage. Yeah. So I just want to be really clear about the workshop I went with. Uh, it was actually more along the lines of political activism than um, mm-hmm. dealing in issues of personal betrayal, you know, which is what we're talking about. Uh, people in power taking advantage of someone they know. Um, she's an expert in, Sarah Thompson's an expert in dealing with politically charged situations and coming at, like, for example, going to the Middle East mm-hmm. to present, prevent a bulldozer from running over somebody who's advocating for peace in the Middle East, that kind of thing. Okay. And uh, I heard some this, pretty amazing Andre. stories from people there. Yeah. But let ahead. me ask you this. Could you see the information from that about nonviolent demonstrations since, you know, she was in Charlottesville and the people, mm-hmm. could you see either one of you, um, this, this, this tidal wave of, um, of exposure of people and these and, and the mm. crimes. I mean, these, these crimes against women and men, uh, the sexual predators and the Weinstein effect, as, as Peter coins. Could you see eventually people creating some sort of a, a nonviolent march against? Um, and I'm thinking Absolutely. maybe somebody like Weinstein goes to trial or Brett Ratner or whatever. Could you see these people mm-hmm. in trial and maybe? Just maybe people staging a nonviolent demonstration outside of courthouses or or buildings or studios. I'll, I'll let you well, answer first. Well, I think it's absolutely true. Oh, okay, What's I think it's me. absolutely to be expected. I mean, I would be surprised yeah. if there weren't people demonstrating on the streets in front of the courthouse. I, I think what the workshop does and other. Anything that you do to educate yourself before you go on something like this is helpful uh, because you might be able to foresee certain things and nip it in the bud before it goes bad. And, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of violence against the community at large that people don't know about, like when people steal water rights, you know, and that mm-hmm. that is going to affect everybody down the road. So uh, almost any 
injustice or problem in the world, if you know how to bring attention to it without harming yourself or somebody else, I think it's beneficial. Mm-hmm. So, I was, so I yes, the short answer is yes. When there's a tsunami of information and outrage and, and criminal exposure in one side, sometimes there can be a backlash in the other way. And, you know, mm-hmm. could, could we see something like this? What do you think, Peter? Well, uh, there might be change in the future, but it's not going to happen yet. Right now, people want blood. People are uh, mm. people are outraged, and and it's outrage is what fuels revolution. I mean, right now, James Gunn, the director who did Guardians of the Galaxy, I love James Gunn. James Gunn is a great guy. Uh, he was one of the people warning people about Toback, uh, the director who who got hit with the complaints. People started calling him out on Facebook saying, why didn't you warn people? He said, I did. I told him in person. I posted on my Facebook, which actually was a stupid thing because since someone had come out uh, that Toback had harassed them, he could have technically been nailed for slander and libel. But mm-hmm. even though anyone can look through his timeline and see him saying Toback is a bad man, he harasses people, stuff like that, he's still getting people who are saying that he was part of the conspiracy of silence. Right now, no sword is bloodier than an idealist who feels their ideals have been betrayed. And right now, everybody's got their sword out, and they want heads to roll. We have to get past this. We have to get past this. We have to make sure that the situation is nailed down before we can get to the peaceful solution. Because right now, everybody is – they're understandably upset, but the fact is they're upset. And when you're upset, you don't always do the right thing because your outrage outweighs your reason. So the, so these changes and stuff like that that you're hoping will come, I, they probably will. But it's not going to come until everybody uh, gets the pound of flesh that they're after, unfortunately. Mm. I think that I depends think. on a, a lot of different factors. Yeah. But you're right oh, yeah. that people get angry, but that doesn't mean it's the last resort or the only solution. So mm. one of the things that a lot of people that carry guns around and believe uh, – like they'll they'll literally threaten their political opponents with guns because they're in favor of gun rights. And I've heard them say, um, nobody wants violence, but we're willing to do it. So that's they're just that's a mental game that they're playing. No, we don't need more violence in the world. We just need to be more. I mean, I'm I. You it's a fire, You can fight fire with fire, but you don't really if. If you if you've ever been a firefighter, you know that that's not the first choice. You fight it with water. Mhm. So I know yeah. we're running out of time, so I don't want to take too much time, my sweet. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys have been great, and I just want to thank you both so much. And 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 as as always, I want to thank you. You you are both always so generous with me with your time, and I appreciate mm. you so much. And so we may just have to just, you know, have more discussions. And uh, this mm-hmm. Madam Perry Salon is always an open place for discussion. Well, you're the best, and kiddo. come back. Oh, God, thanks. Thanks, Andrea. Thank so, you, too. I appreciate you know, either, one of you, either one of you have uh, a suggestion, something you want to talk about, things on this. We may have to continue in like another part two or part three of this discussion. But I just want to thank you both mm. so much. Uh, writer, cartoonist Peter G. and writer and activist Andrea Robinson, I want to thank you both so much for being my guest here. And uh, if you want to come back and we'll talk about it again next week, we can do the same thing. And I love you both. <laughs> thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.